everybody. Grab your Bible and pencil and journal and maybe even a cup of coffee and join in on the conversation. But first, I would like for you to write this down. Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 6. But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Hey everyone, welcome to Write This Down with Dot Bowen. My name is Kara, I am Dot's daughter, and we sit down together every week and we talk through truth and scripture. And I do apologize, I'm a little under the weather, so my voice sounds a little horse-like, I guess. But we still had a conversation and we talk about Ephesians and Colossians. And I will say, we skip over talking about Philippians because Not that long ago, we actually went through Philippians chapter by chapter. And for reference, if you want to go back and listen to those episodes, they are episode numbers 27 through 30. So 27, 28, 29, and 30. We dive into Philippians if you're interested in checking that out. But in this episode, like I said, Ephesians and Colossians, and there's so much in these books. And I will say, like, we really just dive into what it looks like to be in Christ and what that means. And Paul was so emphatic and emphasized that point of how we are in Christ and Christ is in us. And we talk a lot about that and we dive a little bit into the armor of God. And I reference a book by Tony Evans and we'll have that in the description, like I said, in the episode, but we are really glad that you're here. So we would love for you to pull up a chair and listen in. Hey, Kara. Hey mom. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I am, um, thinking about Ephesians and Colossians. We're doing that today. and Colossians, uh, wait, Ephesians and Colossians. Yes. Ephesians yes. and Colossians. Which I have to say, which you might be able to tell by my voice, I am a little under the weather, mm-hmm. so I apologize. I might sound a little like a man, but... Or a frog. Or, oh, it's a, more like a frog. Uh-huh. I don't know. Okay. You just okay. sound like... Anyway. You sound like Kara that has a cold. I don't have a cold, though. I don't know what I have. Anyway. Anyway. Everyone's real concerned about yeah, that. I mean, I care. But I'm just sitting here thinking about Ephesians and Colossians. And it was just really hard for me to try to think of, you know, what verses to pick out that really kind of stands out for me because there's so many of them. And I was thinking about the Ephesians where it says, you know, I uh, do not cease uh, to giving thanks. And for this reason, I bow before the Father. And he talks about, you know, thanking God for them and mentioning them in his prayers. But I, I, this prayer in Ephesians 3, it says, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. And then he says, I pray that you would be strengthened with power in your spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts, that you'd be able to comprehend, you know, with the saints, the love, you know, that God has for them. And I I just know that as a mom, and for many, many, many years, I've prayed these prayers for you. And I prayed them for, you know, all the kids. And I just think, you know, it's so much wisdom. And and it's just a prayer that God has just really laid on my heart. And I just thought, you know, I'd like to talk about that because so often we don't know what to pray about. You know, well, let's just go 
back in Ephesians 1, it says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and a revelation in the knowledge of Him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. And I just have prayed so often. I mean, ever since you were so young, and, you know, for Scott and for Christy and for the grandkids, that God would give you wisdom and that you would, your eyes would be uh, open to knowing Him and enlightened and all that God has for you. And so that's just something I've prayed as a mom. And a lot of times, so many people ask me, like, what do you know what to pray for your kids? And how do you know if God's going to answer your prayers, you know, concerning what's going on with your kids? And I don't know. I just thought, well, you know, maybe I just talk a little bit about how I prayed these words. I prayed Ephesians, and I prayed the prayer in Colossians about being able for you to walk in a manner worthy of His calling. But I just think, you know, if we as moms or anybody, if you're praying for anybody, you don't have to be a mom, just somebody that you love, that you would pray that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened, that they would know what is the hope of His calling. And I think that so often we're, you know, kind of, I don't know, like discouraged and and don't know what to do. And so I don't know what to tell people. I don't know what God wants to do in their lives. I didn't know what God wanted to do in my children's lives. And I just think that God has been very faithful to that prayer. And I just feel like that was just something I wanted to bring out. I mean, I'm just flipping through Ephesians, and there's just, oh, my gosh, there's just so much. Yeah, there is a lot. And wasn't and I do love that prayer. I've actually prayed that for myself many times in my life, especially like if I didn't really know what to do, mm-hmm. you know, like in those kind of situations where it's not a like moral decision, but it's like, should I take this job or move to mm-hmm. the city or, you know, finish my degree at this school or, you know, those kind of things where it's not as like, it's not, like I said, a moral decision. So, but I do love that prayer in Ephesians. But with Ephesians, correct me if I'm wrong, because we have been to Ephesus, mm-hmm. which was amazing to experience. And wasn't Paul really close to the Ephesus church? He was. Like the elders and mm-hmm. the, like, is it that the church that he cried when he had to leave? Because he knew, actually, I found it in Acts. It's in Acts 20. Mm-hmm. And it was Ephesus. It says, Acts 20, 36. And he says, and when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed mm-hmm. with them all. And they're... There was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. Mm-hmm. And that was in Ephesus? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I mean, I knew that, yeah. and we've been there, but I didn't really realize that it was in Ephesus. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I just think that I feel like those kind of things are, one, I think it's cool to see the connection between the two books like that, you know, mm-hmm. like— Acts, and you have, you know, these couple chapters talking about Ephesus and then reading the Ephesian letter. You know, like I don't Mm -hmm. think a lot of people probably connect those kind of things. And seeing that, I think it does. You know, we've talked about with Paul before and just these letters in general of his heart, like especially with the Colossian church, but just how, you know, like his love for them, like Mm -hmm. and everything that he is speaking. Everything I think he speaks out of love to all the churches that he writes letters to, but I think knowing that there was a special bond and heart for this group and 
just like him knowing, you know, like him knowing he he spent a lot of time in Ephesus and never seeing them again. You know, like mm-hmm. I like knowing that kind of perspective. I, yeah, it's kind of like just bringing it real. It's not just a man writing a letter, but it's a man that's writing a letter to a church that he's very concerned and loves. And, uh, and, and of course, he loved the Lord. He wanted all believers to know the truth. And I think one of the things that Paul just keeps talking about, that you, you know, your eyes would be open to the truth. And he was trying to share with them, you know, not to get caught up in what was the lies that was creeping into the churches and stuff. And yeah. I, I think for me, I, as I look at my Bible right now and looking at how many times I underlined, you go from Ephesians 1 on how many times Paul brings up the the principle and the truth that we are in Christ, that we are in Him, or that we're in the Beloved. And I think that Paul did want the church and the, the people at Ephesus to know that, you know, they're in Christ and they don't have to think about works, you know, which is ironic because in Ephesians it says, for we have been saved by grace and not of works. And in my Bible I said, Paul knew that he was wrong because, you know, before it was all about works. It was all about doing what oh, the Jewish before law. He, mm-hmm, Damascus, before he was believed, yeah. yeah. And it's ironic that as you're thinking about him writing, it says, for by grace you've been saved through faith and not of yourself. It's a gift of God and not of works, which is, you know, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. And, you know, you think about as you're talking about Paul writing and you think of him as a man and he's sharing his heart to this church, he had to have thought, you know, I've probably taught differently. I probably believed differently, which we know he did because he was such a Pharisee and a, a student of the law. And I just think that for Paul, as we think about Paul, and as you're thinking about Paul writing the letter, remember he's writing a to the church, he's writing to us. He's writing to you know each believer that we are in Christ, and we don't have to worry about everything we do. I mean, it, obviously, obedience is very, very important. There's consequences, and I think we, you know, Kara, you and I talked about that this weekend. I think a little bit about how that it's not that you don't do anything. It's not that you're not being obedient, but it's the things that I do doesn't make it right with God. It doesn't make us right with God. And I think that was last mm-hmm. week we were talking about justified by faith. But with the Ephesians, he's saying you are in Christ and you're a oneness. It's a relationship about just Christ being in you and you in Christ, and it's a oneness. And yeah. I, I just think that's just something to think about. Yeah. Well, I think, too, I don't know, like thinking about Paul's love for the Ephesian church and I don't know, like sometimes there have been times in my life where I have read these letters as if they are sermons, like, Mm -hmm. oh, this is Paul's sermon, you know, to the Ephesian church, or this is Paul's sermon to, you know, the Philippian church or whatever. But in all reality, it's so much like more than that. Like, it's not just sermons, like how we think about it in this day and age, but think like he deeply loved these people in Ephesus, we know specifically, and he's in prison. He knows he was never going to see them again, and he's writing them a letter. Like, it's like this—he may have written another letter to them. We don't know, but 
very good chance this is the only letter. It's like kind of like everything that you would want to say to someone that you deeply care about, what you would want to say. And the fact that it's so rich in, like you're saying, being in Christ, I think it just shows the importance and the, um, what's the word, like exclamation point and the emphasis that he knew. You know, it's kind of like if you're on your deathbed and the last thing that you would want to say to someone you really care about, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, and I know Paul wasn't on his deathbed, but I'm just saying like, if you're thinking, I really care about these people, you want, I don't know. I just think that would change what you're saying. And I think that it's not like he's just giving, I'm sure he cared about everyone that he preached to, but I just think it's a little bit different knowing that like there was a bond with these people and he knew that he would never see them again. And he probably thought there's a good chance he won't be able to write another letter because writing letters back then was also a very different process than now. Like they had usually other scribes and, you know, like it was just mm-hmm. a process. Um, well, it took a long time to get to. It took a long time for a letter to get to wherever he wanted to go. But Right. Yeah. Like anyway, I just think like thinking about that and thinking about how, like you're saying, how often he references being in Christ. I just think it's just something to take note of. It's just kind of like everything that Jesus said in the New Testament that we know of. It's like, okay, this is, if Jesus said it, he thought it was important. And I think it's a similar thing of not that Paul is Jesus, obviously, mm-hmm. but it's, I just think that there's an importance to that of how much he knew, like, this is so important for you to remember that we are in Christ and that Christ is in us. And I don't know about you, but I forget that a lot. I think Paul's love for the church, obviously, I, I agree 100% that he did love these people. He spent time with them, and he's in prison, and he's wanting to write. But he hears that there's these lies that are being told to the church, and he's in prison. So what are you going to do? I mean, you know, how are you going to combat these lies? So he sits down, and I think it would be like me looking at you or talking to you or hearing that you had heard or you had believed something that's not true. And I desperately wanted you to know the truth. Yeah, it's like, the, especially if you thought there may not be another time that I will be able to tell you otherwise. Mm-hmm. And you I, know? I, I think that Paul's love to the church, Paul's love to, to uh, of Jesus, and Paul's desperate love to be able to share the truth of what God has shown him. He says, uh, you know, I want you to remember, like in, in Ephesians 2, it says, remember, you were dead in your sins. That you, you know, formerly you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit. And, and what he was saying is, you need to remember that at one time you were far away from God. But now, because of Christ, you're now united with God, that you're justified with God. Yeah. And he says, and it's because of God's great love for you that he's brought you to life. And it says that you were dead in your transgressions, that it was Jesus that made us alive together with Christ. And you know what I wrote on there? I said, God brings to life what is dead. And I've heard you say that so many times, that God is a God that brings what was dead alive. And Man, it's my favorite attribute of the Lord. Yeah. And I think that that's what Paul is trying to say, is that you've been made alive in Christ. You are in Christ. And that Jesus went to the cross so that you would have a new life and stop walking and stop doing the things that you used to do and don't go back into the, that 
traditions and those things that were dead, they didn't bring life to you. Those were things you just did. It was just a religious act. It wasn't a relationship. And so Paul is just really writing to them, yes, his love for them, but his love for truth. Right. But I think my, I guess my point in bringing all that up and emphasizing that is that if that's what Paul is harping on, that is obviously something that we should take note of mm-hmm. because I know I don't think about the fact that I am in Christ or that Christ is in me. I, I don't think about that a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I'm honest, you know, like I don't really go through my day or I don't really handle things or think through things all the time. I definitely don't think about it as much as I think I should mm-hmm. and how much more peace or assurance or, I mean, hope, you know, like all the things that I think that I, that I don't really live out as much as I would like to, like, if I just, I just think not that like, I'm simplifying it and there's not one answer other than Jesus, but I just think like, there's so much to the fact of remembering that Christ is in us and, mm-hmm. you know, we are in Christ that like that can really combat a lot of lies that we face, whether that's through identity or through fear or, you Loneliness. know, worry or, yeah, like all the things. Like, And I want to encourage you, and I want to encourage you listening in on this conversation, that just to go in and turn to Ephesians and just the chapter one, just start writing and underlining how many times it says that you are in Christ, you are in the beloved, you are in Him, and just being able to see such a relationship. It says, uh, verse uh, 12 in chapter 1, it says, To the end that we were the first to hope in Christ should be to the praise of His glory in Him. You also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, believed and you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise. And I think so often we feel like, God, where are you? Or God, you know, have you left me? Are you upset with me? And I think, you know, we deal with a lot of loneliness. Uh, a lot of people are very lonely. That's what I was literally just mm-hmm. thinking is I I have been dealing with that a lot, in particular the last month, I would say, and really struggling to, f- like, knowing in my head that Jesus comforts, you know, the brokenhearted mm-hmm. and that Jesus is there and that I'm not, you know, like He can satisfy that loneliness I feel I know that in my head, but I don't feel that very often in my heart, you know, like mm-hmm. resting in that. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, I don't, but I, there is a comfort in that of like, if, if you're that connected, if we're that connected to Christ, then we're never alone. We're not alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. we, and I know it's not just single. I mean, I know you know, mm-hmm. people in marriage yeah, or absolutely. other relationships deal with, you know, that's not a single thing at all. And so I don't know, like, I guess for where I'm at, I'm just needing a lot of comfort or wanting a lot of comfort mm-hmm. in the fact that not just that, like, I know that he cares and that he's here, but it's, it's just like a different, because you can be with someone and mm-hmm. not, and still be lonely, but it's like, it's like, I know that Jesus is here, but it's wanting him to take care of my loneliness in a way, you know, like to satisfy that with his presence. You know, I think that thinking about that Jesus said, I never leave you or forsake you. Ephesians, he talks about you're in Christ and that because of his great love for us, that, you know, that he has bought us and that he's sealed us with his Holy Spirit. And I, 
And I think, you know, being able to say, God, no matter where I am, no matter what I'm going through, you're there. You're with me. We're in this together. And you can you can know that kind of in your head. But I think for me, Kara, I just pray and ask God for me not to miss him. That I know he's there, but I want to see him. I want to feel his presence. And I know that he's there. You know, we talked about uh, going to the mountains, you know, and going to Colorado and seeing those huge mountains and the majestic and being able to see God's glory. But we also need to know that God's Spirit is in us and that we're He's there with us. Well, not only do we get to see what His hands can do and what His power can do, but what His love can do. And His love for us is, is that He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. So Paul is, you know, literally saying, you know, even with all of that, talking about that you are in Christ, he said, now remember, I'm just praying that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened to this hope and that your hope is that you are in Christ. And at one time, that wasn't true. One time, you were dead in your sins, but Christ mm-hmm. has made us alive to him. And I think we go, like you're saying, our daily, you know, t- we do what we normally do every single day. And I think we have our prayer time, maybe, or we read scripture. But we just don't really realize that no matter where we are, that we are in Christ and Christ is in us, and that's our hope. And that, you know, if you look at Ephesians 2, 14, it says, For he himself is our peace. And I think as you were talking about, you know, sometimes you're like, God, just, I just need peace or I need, you know, comfort. And as we know, that's, you know, what he does. But when you think about that Christ has united himself with us. I mean, it's a little little overwhelming, to be honest. Yeah, well, I personally like the way Colossians talks about all that because it is a similar, mm-hmm. it's a similar thing that he says in both books. But in Colossians 2, he talks about being alive in Christ, which is, mm-hmm. you know, basically the same thing, but it's just worded differently. And I, because I really, like I said, the Lord being a resurrecting God is one of my favorite attributes of him, like that power, just because that's one of those characteristics that only he can possess. Mm -hmm. And so it talks a lot in Colossians 2 about that, of how we've been buried with Christ, but we're also alive in Christ. And But in Colossians 3, it uses this wording of, it's Colossians 3.3, but it says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And I circled hidden because I just, there's something about that that just feel, it's like another level of this unity that we have with him, like being in him. Like we are so in him and he is so within us that we are hidden within him. I don't know, like there's almost this like protectiveness that I Mm -hmm. feel in that, in the way that's worded like this, like you know, the cleft of the rock, you know, like the eagle's wings, like being tucked in, like being hidden and being confined in this like protectiveness within Christ. And I don't know, I just like love that verbiage and that, I guess it's more of a like picture of being hidden within something Mm -hmm. like so much so, you know. You know what? I've never told you this. So now I'm going to tell you on podcast and let everybody else hear it. I don't think I've ever shared this with you, but you met, you know my story, and you know how I almost, you know, walked away from God, and I didn't, you know, was angry with God, and I was coming back 
to the faith. I was coming back to God because, you know, he keeps drawing you. Like, he's in me, and I'm in him, and he's not letting me go. I thought I was walking away, but I wasn't going anywhere. But anyway, um, God was pulling me back to himself. Anyway, I was coming back, and by this time, I had decided that Jesus was not just a religious feeling or this religious bent toward my life. This Jesus was going to be my life. And so one of those times I was really praying, well, I had gone to this woman um, that I barely knew, and someone said, she's just a great woman, and she's a prayer warrior. And so she set up this meeting to be uh, for me to meet with this, this lady, and she knew I was coming, and she didn't really know my story or anything. But I went to meet with her, and the first thing out of her mouth, not knowing anything about my story or anything about me, she says, God has given me Colossians 2. I've been praying for you, and I feel like God wants you to memorize and hold on to Colossians 2, that Colossians 2 has been a theme that God keeps continuing putting in my mind when I think of you and pray for you. And as I looked and started reading that, he starts talking in Colossians 2 about not being judged by anyone, not to let anyone take you captive about based on what they think. It says, uh, be your judge. It says this, chapter 2, verse 16, therefore let no one act as your judge. And he's talking about food and drink and stuff like that, like, like what you should do. But what had happened with that is I'd come back from the Lord, from being away and you know living uh, a life away from God. And I was coming back, and I had so much shame. And I thought if someone knew or really understood me and my story, they would reject me. And she did not know anything. And when she said, I just feel like God is telling me as I'm praying for you to not allow other people judge you based on what you've done or what you haven't done. Mm-hmm. And I began to Please. just kind of you know memorize that. And ironically, it does talk about being in Him, uh, being established in the faith, being firmly rooted and built up, and you know, and that I was complete. If you look at chapter two in Colossians, I mean, it says you are complete in Him, and uh, He has disarmed the rulers and the authorities. He's, you know, in other words, no matter what the enemy or what Satan was trying to make me feel bad about myself or feel shame and guilt, God's taking care of that. And he's just don't don't allow other people to define or determine your self worth. Jesus mm-hmm. has, or just yeah, or disqualify you. That's yeah. what it says in mine. Mm-hmm. Is it uses that word disqualify, right? Which I do think is such a common feeling that you know that comes from shame, but of feeling like yeah, like I'm not you know qualified or even equipped or mm-hmm. you know. But again, he talks about you were dead in your transgressions, but. God has made you alive. And I felt alive. I felt for the first time such a closeness with God. I, I did feel like, you know, where sin and shame makes you feel so dead inside. And when I really realized and came to the conclusion, I, I think I've told you I was sitting on the sofa and I had heard Dr. Stanley say, you've been forgiven. And I like, guess that true? And, and it, it was just like I came alive. And you know, it, it was just different. And, you know, I've never been the same. But it's so ironic because if all the verses and of all the 
of the books of the Bible, if I were to pick out which book of the Bible, whatever, to say, oh, this means so much to me, it would have never been Colossians, and certainly not Colossians 2. But as that woman said that, I just started realizing that one of the things that was keeping me from moving forward to feel God's presence was I was allowing other people their opinion of me and their expectations and, and their judgment for me. And I just think that was that was a huge moment in my life. Now that I've told you that on a podcast, had I ever told you that? Had I ever Mm-mm. mentioned that to you? No, I did not know that story mm-hmm. or that part of the story. Yeah. But anyway, I just think that that's a huge story in my life, but I think it's true for a lot of people. And I think that so often we allow other people and their opinions and their what they think of us or what we have done or haven't done or should do and allow them to define us. And Paul is like, no, mm-mm. Jesus, he's your life. He's the one that defines you. He's the one that gives you life. He's the one that gives you meaning. He's the one that gives you hope. And he's the one that gives you peace. He is our life. Yeah. I have one quick thing that I want to bring up. Okay. Just to touch on super fast. Okay. It's just a question. So in Ephesians, he talks about, going back to Ephesians, he talks about the armor of God. Do you put on and pray the armor of God every day? I don't do it every day. I do it a lot. But like if I take the Ephesians 6 and start really, but I do this. I was like, you know, when you think about the head and the heart, like I'll pray, God, help me to think thoughts of you, uh, protect my heart, help me to not to go anywhere that you would not want me to go. So there's parts of the armor of God that you put on, like protecting your mind and protecting your heart, knowing the truth, things like that. I do pray that. I pray that every day. Mm-hmm. But I also know that Ephesians 6 says to put on the armor of God, but he doesn't say that we should fight. He says we should pray. So, yes, in some ways, in different ways, I guess, I do pray Ephesians 6, but I just do it in a different way. And sometimes I'll go and turn to Ephesians 6 and, and pray exactly yeah. what that's saying, but I do it in a different way, just more of a conversational way. Yeah. I was just curious. I know we both read a book, which I'll we can uh, reference it in the description of this episode, but there's a book by Tony Evans that I think that it was the way that he broke down the armor of God was mm-hmm. one of the most helpful for me of like practically of like, okay, what does that mean? Like the breastplate of righteousness or, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's like similar, like what you're saying, like there's there's the practical, like you don't have to literally sit down and say like, I put on the breastplate of righteousness. But ultimately what that's doing, what that means, you know, like protecting your heart or protecting where you walk, making sure that you're wise in how you walk or you think or, you know, like mm-hmm. there's, anyway, but that's like a, if anyone is interested in the armor of God and um, just learning more about it. He talks a lot, about, obviously he talks a lot about prayer and that sort of thing, but his book is a really great resource for that. But anyway, I was just like curious because I know some people, I mean, it's important. I mean, mm, I, I don't, sure. I don't pray, pray it on. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if that's how you say it. But <laughs> yeah. Well, it's kind of like going back to the very beginning, you know, Ephesians where it says, you know, I pray that the, you know, the eyes of my heart would be, you know, enlightened. That's kind of, praying about the shield of faith that God would open my eyes as, you know, those kind of things. I think he does it, you know, in a different way. He says, 
you know, set your mind on Christ as protecting your thoughts. So I think he just put the the armor of God is the high priest is the armor. It was what they wore. And so he was using mm-hmm. that as, as, an, as example. an example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I think this is really interesting. I'm going to say this really quick because, you know, I'm behind in my reading, but the mm-hmm. Lord... Loves you anyway. I'm not going to judge yes. you because I have right. Colossians too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm in Jeremiah now, mm-hmm. which I have a love-hate relationship with. But I was finishing up Isaiah, I think it was yesterday, and I noticed in Isaiah how many thousands of years before mm-hmm. Paul and before he wrote about the armor of God. And in Isaiah 59, 17, Isaiah writes... He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of blah, blah, blah. Um, but I thought that was so interesting. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's where Paul got the verbiage for that? Or do you think that that's just the Holy Spirit doing his thing and speaking through Isaiah in that language and then speaking through Paul in that way? Well, I think that Paul knew so much about the the law and he was a— very much, he knew Isaiah very well. I think that Paul talking to the Jewish people, talking to the Gentiles, a whole different thing. But the Jewish people were coming in and trying to put this pressure on the Gentiles to to live like the Jewish people. So I think he does use he's the using that language so that they would understand. Yeah. To a Gentile, they would not understand. So he has to make it a little bit more understanding of that. Yeah, like I thought that was so fascinating and so crazy to see that exact language in Isaiah of righteousness as a breastplate and helmet of salvation on his head. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's how Paul, that's part of the armor of God. And those, you know, writers live thousands of years apart. And yeah, yeah. Anyway, I just think that like that's one of those things that it's like a small thing, but so fascinating of how the Old and the New Testament links together, you know, like. Well, it is the fact that the Holy Spirit links them together. Right. I think that that's, you know, a lot of people talk about whether or not the Scripture is inspired. And I feel like there's no way that it would not be. Yeah, well, that's why I was asking. I was like, do you think that he was intentionally referencing those things, Paul? Because obviously Isaiah wrote it first. Or, yeah, it could. we don't know, but it could just be that the Holy Spirit brought that reference to Paul's mind and he— you said did the same thing with Isaiah. I don't know, but I just thought I was like, that is so crazy that knowing how far apart and from what we know, it doesn't seem like Paul is intentionally referencing parts of the armor of God as Isaiah wrote those two pieces. It just it seems like such a for lack of a better word, it's not a coincidence, but it's just mm-hmm. such a divine. I don't know. Yeah, like such a crazy and divine and such a little thing. I mean the it doesn't like mean anything crazy, but anyway. Well, it does. I, I love that because it does. Because I can tell you all day long that you do not need to worry about what other people think. I can tell you all day long to set your mind on the things of God and that God's your life and He saved you and He's you know destroyed the enemy. You're you know more than a conqueror. I can tell you that all day long. But when God says it, it's a whole different ballgame. And I think when you look at the Scripture, even though. Is Paul writing, even though he's talking to the churches and in Ephesus, all those things, you can put it in a documentary kind of thing of this was history. But when you see that the Holy Spirit was writing through these men, 
to talk not just to the church in Ephesus, but to the church forever until he comes back. So it means a lot because I think it's just a reminder that a lot of these writers and Paul and Isaiah and on it, they, they wrote so much that I don't believe they knew exactly the extent of what they were saying and that it was definitely God saying, hey, listen up, listen up. I'm about to tell you something that you need to know. And I think it's huge. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad that you could be a part of our conversation. To continue the conversation, you can find Dot on social media at Dot Bowen or visit her website, dotbowen.com. Subscribe, like, and share with your friends, and we will see you next week on Write This Down with Dot Bowen. Bowen.